you have your Bible with you or you'd like to use one in the back of the pew in front of you, turn with me to the gospel according to Mark this morning. The New Testament book of Mark, we will be finishing chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verses 27 to 33. If you're a guest with us, we have been working our way verse by verse through this gospel where Mark is showing us Jesus Christ as the king and what his kingdom means and what it looks like to belong to that kingdom, to follow him as our king, and to live for Jesus. I imagine many of us come into this room with some kind of question. And as we watch Jesus on the move today, people bring their questions to Jesus. But instead of giving an answer, Jesus has a question for us. And as he asks this question, he says more than once, answer me. All that in mind, let's read Mark chapter 11, verses 27 to 33. This is the word of the Lord. And they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John was really a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Our answers always have consequences. For good or for bad, no matter what, our answers to life's questions often put us in a corner and we're stuck. And no matter how we move, we're going to face some consequences. This happens every day. This is not new. When your boss comes to you and says, excuse me, but can you work on the weekend? No matter what, there will be consequences. If you say yes, you just lost your weekend. If you say no, your boss gets to see a little bit of weakness. And maybe you have a little bit less credibility with your boss. Your answers have consequences. Now, for those of you who are dating or have ever dated, you, you know this. When you go to dinner and the check comes and the question is raised, will that be together or separate? I guarantee you, your answer will have consequences. Little kids, little trick-or-treaters, you go to grandparents' house and they make this new meal you've never had before and you don't know if you like it or not. 
sisters has everything to do with Easter. But let's look at this conversation that Jesus is having. There's four parts to the conversation. I'm going to walk through them pretty quickly. The first part to the conversation is the issue at hand. Look at verses 27 to 28 one more time. They came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him, and they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things, or who gave you this authority to do them? Imagine hosting someone at your house, and you find the password to your Wi-Fi has been changed. And upon some investigation, you find out that your house guests have changed your internet password. Where do they get off, right? You have a conversation with them. Jesus has been in Jerusalem for three days. It's his third trip to the temple, and he's been causing some problems. On the first day, on his way there, he lets people sing songs of worship to him as if he were God. On the second day, he clears the temple out of all the money traders. He kicks them out of the room. He's acting as if he owns the place. And on the third day, he dares to come back. Shows back up at the site of all of this hoopla. The Jewish leaders ask the same question you would ask, which is why five and the password has changed. Jesus says that the answer is twice the same. Who gave you this authority? That is missing. An authority in the Bible is a kingdom word. It just means the right to reign. Who gave you the right to do as you wish? Second part to the conversation, Jesus flips it. Jesus flips the conversation in verse 29 to 30. Look at these verses. Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. Even this proves Jesus' authority. He refuses to play by their rules. He's on the hot seat, so to speak, but he remains in confident control. He moves the conversation where he wants it to go. He puts them on the spot and asks them a question that will answer their own. The truth about John is going to give them the truth about Jesus. He asks them a question that removes all of their strength. They can't answer this question with some Old Testament laws. They can't answer this question with some idea about how you're supposed to worship in the temple. Jesus wants to know about the famous prophet who ate locusts in the desert. He wants to know about the man who preached repentance and baptized hundreds of thousands of Israelites in the wilderness. He wants to know about the heroic martyr who was killed by the evil king because he stood up for God. Jesus traps them with a question and flips the conversation when he says, answer me. Third part of the conversation is the conundrum. Verses 31 to 32, look at it with me. 
They discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. Answers always have consequences. They're trapped. Left or right, their answer will get them in trouble. As Warren Wiersbe writes, they are not asking what is true, what is the right answer. You'll notice the Pharisees are asking what is the safe answer. If you gave these guys some truth They would say that John the Baptist was not from God, but they know how that would fly in the court of public opinion. They know what the voters would say. The people would lose it, and their influence, their ability to stay on top would be gone. So look, if you think that leader trying to please people to keep the vote is new, I got bad news for you. That's as old as it gets. They can't say John is from heaven, though. They can't answer that because this is, this is the reality. Jesus was prepared for by John. Jesus was baptized by John. Jesus was recognized by John. John the Baptist preached this in John 1, verse 29. John said, behold, talking about Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so if John was from heaven, when he said that, these guys would be compelled. The consequence would be they would have to move towards Jesus and accept him. Their answers matter. In a game of chess, at this point, both players would realize the game is up. Jesus has won. But the scribes try to play for a draw. To try to play for a stalemate. And that's where we get to the fourth part of the conversation. We see the response. Look at verse 33. So they answered Jesus. We do not know. And Jesus said to them. Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. This friends is what you call a cop out. Men who have studied their entire lives, the word of God, cannot answer one simple spiritual question. The men with the greatest spiritual resumes in the entire country of Israel cannot answer a simple question. Craig Evans calls it an embarrassing display of cowardice. Talking about authority, that's the issue. Think about this. This group between these two is the most powerful conversation is happening in the temple, the most powerful, authoritative room in the nation. These guys have to say, we know nothing. They know the scripture. They know Isaiah 40, verse 3, where Isaiah tells us that a voice is coming in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord. They know Malachi like the back of their hands. 
Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 to 2 traps them. Malachi says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Look where they're at. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? And who can answer a question when he asks? These supposed spiritual leaders provide nothing and they expose themselves in front of God and everybody, as my dad would say. The problem isn't their lack of knowledge. What's going on, brothers and sisters? They refuse the truth right in front of them. And that is why Jesus refuses to answer them. Because, listen, you need to hear this to get what I'm go- where I'm going. All right, all right, all right. What does this have to do with Easter? Everything. This Jesus who asks this question and holds authority over the spiritual leaders of Israel is the one who this week in this text is going to die for our sins and rise from the grave. This word that we have is from the risen Lord. And as Mark presents Jesus to us, he is the king with the right to reign. He is the one who has the authority to rule over our lives. In Mark chapter 1, he's the one who teaches with authority. In Mark chapter 2, he's the one who forgives with authority. In Mark chapter 3, he's the one with authority over the demonic forces. In Mark chapter 4, he's the one with authority over nature when he calms the storm. In Mark chapter 5, he's the one with authority over death itself when he raises a little girl from the dead. And at the end of this book, his resurrection in Mark chapter 16 is the proof of his authority and right to reign over everything. Romans chapter 1 verse 4. He, Jesus, was declared to be the Son of God in power and authority according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Friends, the empty tomb was a way of God asking you a question and giving you the answer, telling us and telling everyone that Jesus has the right answer. He has conquered the grave. He has conquered sin. He is the one who has the right to reign over your life. Friends, whatever question you have for God, he has the answer for you. Please understand what Jesus said. Answer me. Who is Jesus? Is he who you said he was, or was he a boss? Your answers have consequences. Your answers matter and will impact the rest of your life, not just for today, but forever. Acts. Chapter 4, verse 12. 
The apostles tell us there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Friends, if that's true, if he died for your sins and rose from the grave to give you a new life, he has the right to be your king. Has that ever happened in your life? God has brought you here today, whether you don't know it or not. And his word can speak to you and ask you a question, and you will answer. And when you answer, brothers and sisters, you will stand before God Almighty when you die, and he will hold you to account based on how you answer this question. Is Jesus Christ the risen king? And your answer will have eternal consequences. Life with God forever, or life forever without him. One or the other. And you will not get into heaven because you are good enough, because you are spiritual enough, because you are good enough, good, you good enough, principle, you pray enough, you give enough. You will, you will stand before God Almighty and answer this question. And the eternal nature of Jesus Christ will put you in touch with Jesus Christ being on the cross and his death for you and his resurrection from the grave. And if you put your faith in him, his grace, he will cover you with his righteousness and you will die for you. And there is know that your answer has consequences. I would not be doing right by you if I told you otherwise. Where does the resurrection story come from? From heaven or from man? Or is this real? Is the Easter message from God himself or am I making this up? Your answer has consequences no matter how you respond. Think with me. If the Easter story is from man, you don't have a reason to be here. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 14, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. I'm wasting my breath. And you're wasting your morning. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 32, Paul says, What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Can I help you out, friends? If you can answer the question under the authority of this story is just a myth. It's just something to make us feel better. It's just something to help us get through hard times. Please, friends, you don't have to be here. This offers you nothing. You should be at a brunch right now eating as much as you can because this life is all you got. This exercise does nothing for your heart before God. He's not impressed. He doesn't even exist if this is Friends, if the Easter story is from heaven, if this is true, if God raises the dead, if, if death ain't the end, there's consequences. 
You have to give your entire life to the king. If this is true, if Jesus died for your sins and rose from the grave to give you life forever, one Sunday a month, one Sunday a year, ain't exactly cutting it. If Christ is risen from the grave, you are called to grow. Romans chapter 7, verse 4. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. If Christ is risen and that's from heaven, you are called to purpose in order that you may grow and bear fruit. You can't stay the Christ is risen from the grave and is your king. You are called to serve. Romans chapter 7, verse 6. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. If Jesus Christ rose from the If the grave has been defeated, if Christ has been raised, you are called to live for him first. Colossians chapter three, verses one to two. Watch. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. If Jesus is actually alive right now and rose from the grave and is your king, we have to come before the Lord of We have to come before your God. He has to come before your family. They didn't rise from the grave for you. He is the king. He is the master. He is your everything if it's true. Think about it. How often over everything, every time. So brothers and sisters, let me ask you one more question. If you have answered that the resurrection story is from heaven, what area in your life do you need to submit to the king? If the resurrection is true, how do you need to grow and bear fruit? How do you need to step up and serve? How do you need to lives inside of you would give you some of those things. 
Because if we live by the Spirit, we must keep in step by the Spirit. We must continue to grow and push and live and let the resurrected power inside of us move us. Otherwise, brothers and sisters, let me tell you, if that ain't happening and that fruit ain't coming and that growth ain't happening and that movement in your life ain't happening, you can't tell me that you have resurrected power. If you don't have that resurrected power, you don't have resurrected hope. The resurrected king who lives inside of us makes us holy and causes us to bear fruit in righteousness and to move and to grow like how is God calling you to do that today if you believe this story is from heaven? Look, if you say this is from heaven, you need to know your answer will not fly in the court of public opinion. There will be consequences and the crowds will turn against you. But if Christ rose from the grave, that doesn't matter. Brothers and sisters, there's too many of us right now things of this earth are the things that are on our mind first. Our feelings and our emotions drive us more than the promises of the resurrection. Brothers and sisters, if Christ has defeated sin and the grave, if Christ has defeated your greatest enemy, why? Why be discouraged? Why be weighed down? We say we believe there's life. We say we believe there's breath. We say we believe there's power. Live in that hope. Let your answer have some consequence over your life. Let it impact the way you live. Don't let Easter stop today. Every Sunday's Easter Sunday. If Jesus Christ lives inside of you, every Monday's Easter Sunday. Live in the hope and the power of the empty tomb. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53 to 58, Paul says, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, because our answer is this, the consequence must be, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. May God, through the power of his risen son, the Lord Jesus Christ, move in our hearts so that we live in him and display the glory of our risen King. Let us pray.